have a Bible handy, I want to invite you to go with me to the Gospel of Mark tonight. Mark's Gospel and chapter number 6 in the Word of God. And I want to uh, deal with something that I think uh, will be maybe new to some, old to others, but something that nevertheless uh, we need to take a look at in God's Word here in Mark chapter number 6. And we'll begin reading in verse number 53, where here the Bible says, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and ran through the whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Lord God, tonight I pray that you administer to our hearts. Lord, help us to be in tune to the voice of God. Lord, I pray that whatever it is that you want from us, that we would be willing to yield in those areas. And may you receive the glory for this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. As we consider the passage here that we have just read tonight about Jesus and his ministry in a place called Gennesaret, we understand that it was preceded by one of the great miracles of our Lord's ministry, and we know that to be Jesus walking on the water. There's much to be learned from that, and oftentimes we hear preaching about Jesus walking on the water and the fear of those disciples, and of course, uh, Peter uh, walking on the water with the Lord Jesus. Uh, there are volumes that have been written just on that single miracle. There have been a multitude of messages that have been brought concerning that one miracle. But I think that there is something to be learned from the aftermath of that miracle and the ministry of the Lord. And tonight I, I want to bring you a message entitled, In the Garden. In the Garden. You say, well, this isn't anywhere near the passion of Jesus in the chronology of Jesus' ministry. This isn't anywhere near the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet, I think it bears our consideration that the word Gennesaret, the place where Jesus landed ashore, means the Garden of Riches. Now, we're going to come to that in a moment, but that is a very significant thing. And I believe that what we are going to discover there is that there were riches to be found in that garden. There were riches to be found in Gennesaret, the garden of riches. And I think that we notice that all throughout this, we, we find the, the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we see that the Lord uh, taught a great deal leading up into this and and we see that He delivered those that were sick and literally raised those from the dead leading up to this event. And, and now the Lord again is feeding the 5,000 followed by the miracle of walking on the water. But there was 
a whole array of miracles that occurred that, that followed Jesus walking on the water. What Jesus found when He arrived there was what we find everywhere. And that is, He found hurting hearts. There are those that perhaps settled in the place called Gennesaret, the, the garden of riches, thinking that somehow they would seek their fortunes, they would seek a new life there, they would seek something that would bring them some measure of satisfaction, only to discover that the issues of life that they were fleeing from, wherever it was that they came from, in going to Gennesaret, found them there. And there was a good deal of, no doubt, disillusionment. We, we discover here, as we consider the Lord having crossed over, the Bible tells us this in verse 53, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. Did you know that sometimes God has planned for us to go through storms? We know that storms are an inevitable thing on the seas of life. And I believe that God ordains many of those. If you uh, took the time tonight to read uh, in the Psalms, you would discover that there are times where that the Lord allows the storms to rise up, to draw us nearer to His side. And it is according to His will. Sometimes we suffer according to the will of God. And so, what we discover here is that often people are praying to be delivered from the storm and they want to find an escape route, but the Lord wants to often deliver us through the storm so that He can grow our faith not deliver us from the storm, but to deliver us through the storm. So in the midst of the storm, we could learn what we, had, what we would never have learned had we escaped it altogether. The good news is that they passed over. I like in the Bible where it says, and it came to pass. I'm glad that certain of the storms of life have not come to stay. Although we do know from a study of the Word of God that there are things that can beset us that we consider to be perilous storms that can stay. It can stay a while. We think about the Apostle Paul or who, who wrote that uh, lest I should be exalted above measure, there was given unto me a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh to buffet me. And he said, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it would be delivered from me. And the Lord gave him the answer that my grace is sufficient for thee. What the Lord was saying is, I will see you all the way through it. I will, do not, will not deliver you from it. And, and what Paul came to understand was, it was by that answer that he drew nearer the Lord. There was a greater dependency that he felt upon God uh, as he went through the peril, as he went through the storm, rather than being, as he had prayed, delivered from the storm. The good news is, 
not all storms blow forever, and there's going to be a time when you pass over. And I'm looking forward to that. My, my friend, it'll either be here or on the other side. Many of the storms that we face, we'll, we'll pass over and we'll uh, gain new ground by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and certain other things perhaps we'll finally be freed from when we see Christ. But what we need to do is pray for God's will to be accomplished, not for me to escape my hardship, if that's what God has ordained to form me more into the image of Jesus Christ. I think that as I consider this, they, they came through a storm, and we know that the Lord had walked out to them on the sea, and uh, said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. <laughs> and uh, we know that when Jesus entered the ship, the wind and the waves, they ceased and they were amazed above measure. And uh, they consider not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They didn't stop to think about the fact that Jesus had fed twenty to 25,000 people with a few loaves and fish just hours before that. And the God that could do that, that could literally... Uh, multiply basic elements and uh, and listen without the use of a laboratory or a manufacturing plant or a bakery or a, a, a butcher shop he was able to multiply the loaves and the fish and feed that many people and have 12 baskets of fragments left over these men who had been participants in a miracle failed to understand the significance of Jesus and the power of God and in the midst of the storm, they failed of faith. They failed to remember the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And friends, I'm going to tell you something. Oftentimes what happens to us is in the midst of the storm, we pray, Lord, deliver us, and we want Him to, want him to deliver us from it. And when He doesn't, He's decided to deliver us through it. Sometimes we get upset at that. Sometimes we, we wish that God would have done what we told Him to do because we use the force of faith on Him. And everyone knows that if you use the force of faith, God has to do whatever you tell Him, right? And, uh, you know, that's some of what you might hear on the radio or television tonight. But unfortunately, that's not what's found in the Word of God. In fact, what we need to pray is what Jesus prayed in another garden, which was this. Father, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass from Thee. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. So we understand the passage that God will allow us to pass over, either on this side or the other. It will always be according to His will. And so what we pray is for God's will to be done, not that we might escape whatever God has foreordained that is for our good. What we discover secondly is not only the passage here in, in these few verses, but the popularity. The popularity. For the Bible reveals this in verse 53. And when they passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew Him. Straightway, they knew Him. Understand something. 
whenever miracles are taking place, and whenever there is the power of God present, whenever Jesus shows up, it ought to cause a stir. It ought to cause that place and those people among whom the Lord is is working to uh, be known in a community. Uh, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I, I one time had a pastor from a small town in uh, North Carolina come to visit, and he said, I stopped a few miles away, and I asked, where is the Freeway Baptist Church? And someone said, I do not know. And they said, you're three miles away. How come you do not know? And they came and they said, how can someone that's only three miles from your church not know how to get here? The fact is that there were ten times more people between our church and that person than existed in the whole county where that guy was coming from. But that all notwithstanding, they just sensed that, man, if the power of God is present, and if God is at work doing miracles in lives and healing broken hearts and doing the mighty work that only God could do, how could people not know that we are here? The fact is that they immediately knew that Jesus was among them, and His very presence brought an excitement to their hearts. I wonder today, who do we know that is just ecstatic, excited about coming into the house of the Lord and coming around the people of God because they know that whenever two or more gather together in the name of Jesus there at the Freeway Baptist Church, that God is there in the midst of them. That good things begin to take place. That the power of the Lord is present. That there's an anointing in the services and that God is doing a precious work. It, it should be that people get excited about it and they want to bring folks. Folks, I'm going to tell you through the years I've been a little dismayed at some of what I've seen where people come in and they get excited about the gospel message. And you know what? They'll bring someone who's attending a mega church that is preaching a watered down form of the gospel and they'll bring them to freeway and they'll walk the aisle and they'll get saved and then they take them back to the mealy mouth watered down preaching because they've got this music program going on with a big praise band and music that people love where they have a little league for the kids that can play football and they're not growing in the Lord they're building their physical stature and building a name but would to God that because of the power of God and his anointing on the people of God that others would know there's something going on down there and if someone has a broken heart we need to get them over the freeway because Jesus appears to be doing something mighty there in the midst and my friend that's exactly what took place in Gennesaret understand in the garden of riches the Lord was popular not because he could enhance their wealth but because he could give them what their money could never buy. He could give them what their money could never buy. Understand, my friend, that today there are people that are looking everywhere to try to find peace and comfort. And how I was reminded of that as I took a call in the office this afternoon. A gentleman so discouraged saying, I just want to go to heaven. I just, there was no amount of money that was going to change all of that for him. It wasn't that he didn't have anything to eat or he didn't have a place to live. It was that he was yearning for what money could never buy him. You know what church provides us? Provides us a place of fellowship. 
the comfort of a loving fellowship of people who pray, who think of us, who care. In some cases, they're there when we move to help us move. At other times, they're when we suffer the death of a loved one. To hold our hand when we're hospitalized and to pray with us when we're making life decisions. To just let us know that you have people that really do care. No doubt I'm talking to many people listening tonight on YouTube or Sermon Audio or Facebook. And you think that you and your family personify the term dysfunction. And your own family be the last ones that you would talk to or ask for certain types of help. They don't understand spiritually the things that you're dealing with, and they in fact at times might have a contempt for it. And so, how important to you is it to have a place where you can gather with those that call you brother or sister and mean it? That those, with those that say, I love you, and they really do. The ones that say, I'm praying for you, and they really are. The ones that don't just give a dollar at the cash register in Safeway and think that they have done their benevolent duty at the holidays, but they give generously and sacrificially to help the needs of others. They would do the same for you if they became aware of your need. The fact is, there should be a place like that in Phoenix where God is that people are aware of. And that those that are in the midst of it tell others and they say, hey listen, Jesus is here. You see, the Bible doesn't say that when Jesus landed there on the shore that uh, he, he, he said we need to do a public a relations campaign, we need to do an ad campaign and try to gather a meeting. The Bible says, no, when they were come out of the ship straightway, that means right away, immediately, they knew Him. They knew exactly who it was. And what happened? The Lord didn't have to compel anybody to do anything. He didn't ask them to gather a crowd. It says, they ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick well, they had heard that He was. You see, they began to go and bring others to Jesus. The Lord didn't say, hey, go get me a crowd so I can heal some folks. No, people heard He was there. And they ran. They ran, the Bible says, through the whole region round about. You know what that reveals to us? It reveals this, thirdly, the passion that we see. The passion that they had. They ran. You see, the garden of riches could not buy healing. Gennesaret, or the garden of riches, could not buy them what many sought after, but Jesus could give it. There are things that many of you are seeking after that will touch the deepest part of you, that will minister to the deepest longings of your heart. And no amount of money and no amount of merriment or frivolity or material possession can touch you in that way. But God will give it to you if you simply come to Him. You see, the passion that they had for what God could do that money could not buy 
created a sense of urgency. For they had heard of Jesus the healer. And now through the storm, He had arrived at their shores. And they thinking, we do not know when He will come this way again. Or if indeed He ever will again. We have this opportunity. And so what they did was they seized it. And they ran. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if this is the last Christmas that we'll see before Jesus comes again. I don't know if this is the last Christmas that that we'll see as a people of God before the government tries to regulate the church and and legislate uh, the number of services and the amount of people that can come. I don't know, but I know this. We may never pass this way before. We may never have the opportunities that we have right now. And we may never celebrate another Christmas to uplift and honor the Lord Jesus. And it behooves us to say, we may never have this opportunity again. We must seize it now while we have it and while the Lord is near. There may be but one chance there were those that needed physical healing. And so what did they do? They didn't say, man, I wish you had somebody to bring you. Or, don't, don't you have a wagon that you could come in? No, they, the Bible says they ran through the whole region and began to carry about in beds those that were sick. Well, they heard He was. They began to carry them to Jesus. My friends, I'm going to tell you, that involved a great passion that resulted in a sense of urgency simply to get people to Jesus. You know, I'll tell you, there are many people that are laying in hospital beds right now. And some of those will die alone with COVID. That's the story. You've read the articles. You've you've seen it. And we have experienced that. As we went through that dark valley with with Pat Chapman and her beloved husband, Kurt, and knowing that there she was alone. We could FaceTime with her to see her. We could not go in. And every time we spoke to her, we didn't know if that would be the last one. And so we wanted to tell her every time, we love you. I love you. You see... It created a sense of urgency. Tonight, I want you to know that people need the Lord. (coughs) Over the last 30 days, it was reported by the Center for Disease Control that um, COVID-19 was the number one killer in our country. That may have been the first time that that's happened. It uh, surpassed heart disease for a 30-day period. So, if that's the case, if this is a real situation, and it is, how should we behave ourselves? Should we say, I I don't want to get COVID, and I don't want anybody to get it from me, so I'm just going to stay home. And so we're safe within the walls of our home, and we sneak out to the grocery store in the middle of the night, and we, we pick up a sack of apples that somebody else has been handling and we get it anyway. And we fail to tell anybody along the way. The fact is, we need to have a passion that creates an urgency within us to get others to the Savior. So we notice the passage in 
the Lord delivered them through the storm according to His will. And we notice the popularity and that there was an excitement that was created because Jesus was there in the midst. And He created a passion within them that, that helped to bring about a sense of urgency. But we notice this, that the Bible says in verse 55, they ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard He was. And whithersoever He entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought Him. What does it mean? They begged Him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of His garment. Just the hem of His garment. And as many as touched Him were made whole. We notice the plea. They began to beg. They besought the Lord. They, they pled with Him that they just might simply touch the hem of His garment. I wonder, do you know someone that's in need? You know someone that's outside of Jesus Christ? Someone who's in a time of peril and they're reaching out. My friend, the answer is not, let's go to Gennesaret because we can find our riches there. We can make a better living there. We can do this or we can do that because there were things in Gennesaret that befell them that Gennesaret had no answer for. In that garden of riches, there was no answer. And so when Jesus came, they realized that He was the answer, that in fact He was the great I Am, the answer to everything that they would ever have need of. And so they besought Him. They began to plead, plead with the Lord that they may simply touch Him. Folks, I don't know about you, but I don't... I, I've been doing this too long to want to just go through the motions. This, this, uh, this may have marked 40 years of, of ministry for me. Um, this year I'll be 58 years of age. I know I don't look half that age. And uh, <laughs> some of you are thinking, yes you do. You look older than that in fact. But, but listen, you know, Life is way too short to play church, and to patronize God, to just come and not lay hold of Him, to just be here, to take up space, and to, and to kind of do our social duty in a spiritually based place. But listen, it ought to be the, the plea of every person that comes through the doors of this church, that I could just get close enough to touch Him. Just the hem of His garment. I just want to be in His presence. I just want to have Him hear my voice and see His ministry and to sense His touch in my life. The Bible says as many as touched Him were made whole. You know, there's a catharsis that comes to the heart when we decide that we want to come in and lay hold of Jesus. Not just sing songs that please our flesh. Not just have interaction with our social network. Not just network so that we can try to get a better job. Not just gather with people because we don't like sitting alone at the house. 
but having a passion and a desire that produces a plea within our heart to simply touch Him, knowing that there's healing with Him. For the troubled soul, for the broken heart, for the hungry heart, yearning for something that would resemble true and divine love. And so they pled. But we notice something further here. And that was the product. What, it, what resulted from the pleas? Well, the Bible says that as many as touched Him were made whole. And as I begin to study this and the wording of this, the indication was this. As many as touched Him, the indication was this, that not everyone did. Only as many as did touch Him were made whole. So, not everyone asked. Not everyone reached. Not everyone was healed. There were those yet after Jesus passed through. But we notice that whithersoever He entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought Him that they might touch if it were but the border of His garment. And as many as touched Him were made whole. He went into every region. You see, Jesus... And His power was available to whosoever would come. And His presence and His healing touch for the sin-sick soul and for the troubled life and for the broken body, it's available to whosoever will come to Him. He does not discriminate, for God is not a respecter of persons. And as He did with those who besought Him and touched Him, He will make you whole. And I want you to understand this, that when the Pharisees saw it, they could not do anything against it. It was irrefutably a divine work for there were multitudes whose lives had been forever changed. I want to ask you a question. Can you look to a time in your life where maybe you weren't living a Christian life? You weren't very fervent for the Lord and, and now there are people that knew you then that are watching you now, do they have some evidence in your life that maybe you didn't get it all? That they're going to poke holes in your faith and in your fervency and try to refute whether or not that was really a genuine work of God in your life? Or is it so overwhelming that there's no way under heaven that they could dispute God did this. You see, the Lord led the disciples through the storm. And when they landed, 
They landed at Gennesaret, the garden of riches. But it was not the garden of happiness. It was a place of sickness. It was a a place of trouble and woe. Maybe you're looking for all the answers in the garden of riches. And rather than looking for riches in the things of this world, you can find those riches in Jesus. And what your money could never buy you, Jesus will give you if you meet Him in the garden. Although not the garden of Gethsemane, but in the place that you went to thinking I'd be fulfilled only to discover it's not doing it for me. And there you besought Jesus that you might just simply reach out and touch the hem of His garment. Do you have a hurting heart tonight? Is it broken? Do you have those for whom you grieve? People that you love that are in distress or lost altogether? Would you meet the Lord in that place and reach out to Him? And then, would you understand that when God is nigh, that you don't have an unlimited number of opportunities? Would you with a sense of urgency set about to lay hold of the power of God that alone is able to provide the answer for whatever it is that you may be dealing with tonight? Father, we are so grateful that we have a God to whom we can turn in times of distress. And Lord, we're thankful that although the Lord toiled all day and and into the night through the storm, that as He came to the shore, He was available to the need of every heart that was broken, every soul that besought Him. He turned none away. And as many as laid hold upon Him, they were healed. Lord, help us to stop looking for the answers in Gennesaret. May we find them in Jesus. God, I pray that You would bring us to this conviction that only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longing of our heart. Only He can provide that touch that we so desperately need. Help us to find our all in all in the One who is all and in all whose name is Jesus. For this we pray in the wonderful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. My friends, thank you tonight for joining with us It's my prayer that God ministered to your heart through His Word. I mentioned earlier that we don't know if this will be our last Christmas here on earth. We don't know what the future holds. We do know who holds the future. But because we do not know and are not promised a tomorrow, we need to seize the opportunities God gives us today. And so Christian friend, if God is putting someone on your heart, some need on your heart in life. Develop a passion that leads you to a sense of urgency 
to lay a hold of the Lord and when you beseech Him, the answer will be found. And for you that tonight are watching and perhaps do not know the Lord as Savior, you're uncertain that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your forever home. I want to talk to you for just a moment. There's some good news for you and that is that Jesus loves you and wants to spend forever in heaven with you. His Word declares it. But there's a problem that's preventing that. It's called sin. The Bible says about all of us, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There's none of us that's perfect. I think we would all agree with that if we were honest. It goes on from there and it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not only are we imperfect, but we are sinners And we fall short of what God's standard is for heaven. And that standard is revealed in the term, the glory of God. His holy perfection is the standard by which we will be judged. And I would tell you this, that we all fall short of that. God's standard is not try your hardest, do your best, and hope for a good outcome. It's perfection. If it's anything less than perfection, He's no longer God. And we no longer have hope. And so, for all have sinned and come short of that, we miss the mark of perfection. The Bible continues on and teaches us that even if we could try to improve our behavior, we still have a problem of sin's past. How far past? All the way to the very beginning of time. Because the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That one man was Adam. God placed him in the garden and gave him one commandment and he violated that commandment. He disobeyed God. And God said that everyone born after you will be born with the curse of sin and the sentence of death in their life. And so while we may be able to change what we do, we cannot change who we are. We are sinners by birth and we sin by choice. And the problem is that the Bible says there's a price tag on that sin. The wages of sin is death. You see, what we deserve because of our sin is death. The Bible reveals what death is. In James chapter 2, the Bible says that the body without the spirit is dead. When our body and our spirit and soul are separated, death occurs. But did you know there are two deaths? There's a physical death. And Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15 tells us there's a second death in a place called hell, which is also separation, separation from Jesus, who's the giver of life. And what we deserve because of our sin against God is to suffer in a place of torment called hell. But here's where the news gets great, and that is this, but God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we were deserving of hell, Jesus said, I'll take the punishment for them because I love them. And He came to this earth on Christmas and He lived a perfect life and He went to the cross of Calvary and there He laid down His life and shed His perfect and pure blood, the blood of God, to pay the price and to satisfy all righteousness for you because you never could. And to offer through His shed blood and His death on the cross forgiveness 
fully and freely. When Jesus hung on that cross, you were not even born yet. So He took care of every sin that you would ever commit in advance. He's paid the price for all of them. And now He offers us this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He offers eternal life in heaven with God as a free gift. A gift is not something you have to earn, work for, or pay for. It's something that someone else has purchased for you. Jesus purchased it with His blood. And He calls salvation through forgiveness and the gift of God in Romans chapter 5 over and over again. A free gift. A free gift. A free gift. And if we believe that and we receive the gift of God's forgiveness, believing it's the only hope that we have for salvation, then He has said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My friend, if you believe that you're a sinner and you can't change that, you can never save yourself. You believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin because He loved you, such that He died on the cross, and now He offers forgiveness full and free to all who will believe Him and receive His gift of eternal life. If you've never received that gift, but you believe it is available to you, In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and my prayer will not save you, but if the words of this prayer reflect what is in your heart, make it your own prayer to God, and He will hear and He will answer, even as He has promised. As I pray just now, if it's your desire to know your sins are forgiven, and that heaven is yours, I invite you to pray this prayer right along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I realize that I cannot save myself. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin so that I may spend forever in heaven with Him. I believe that Jesus died and was buried and that He rose again by His own power to prove that He is God and that He can save. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only to save me and take me to heaven. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Enable me to live for thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, on the authority of God's Word, you're forgiven, you're saved. If you died tonight on the authority of God's Word, you'd go immediately to be with the Lord in heaven if you believed and you received that gift tonight. Understand that Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for every sin that you would ever commit. And He took the burden of your forgiveness and of your salvation entirely upon Himself. It doesn't rest upon you. We now have everlasting life that will never end. We now have eternal life that is the life of God. As long as God lives, so too we'll live with Him. You can rest in that tonight. If you've made that decision, we'd like for you to phone us or send us an email. You can find our information on our website at freewaybaptist.org. Let us know about this decision. We want to send you a Bible and some information that will help you in your newfound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 